Imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women. Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Leadership Global Program. I am so excited to welcome all of you to this week's program, where we have a really exciting topic and an even more exciting guest. You know, in a world that has conditioned us to stop dreaming and to be satisfied with what we have, it's appropriate to talk about what it takes to keep dreaming, to keep dreaming of possibilities and options. So today we're going to talk to Mary Lyons about how to create a life of design that you're actually excited to live, knowing what you truly want in all areas of your life. That's what's going to help you live a life of freedom, not just financial freedom, but freedom with your time. In our show today, we're going to help you clarify your financial dreams, map out a plan to accelerate achieving your dreams, making them real. The real brilliance here is how you can clearly visualize your dreams, make progress and have milestones along the way while raising your standard of living and actually improving the quality of life. Today, we're speaking with Mary Lyons, founder and CEO of Benchmark Income Group. She's a speaker, a business strategist, an elite entrepreneur, a trainer, and a mentor. And today, we have the honor of speaking with Mary about how to create a life of design and never stop dreaming. Now, before we dive in, let me tell you just a moment about Mary Lyons. After 16 years as an advisor, Mary recognized that most financial planning in the U.S. focuses on trying to make sure that people don't go broke instead of being focused on how to build true wealth. So Mary's mission is to teach people how to optimize their income streams so that they can retire earlier and with more income. Mary is dedicated to helping her clients build a life by design rather than just a life by default. Mary is recognized as being part of the top 1% nationwide in her industry, and her popular podcast, The Big Wealth Podcast, recently ranked in Apple's top 100 charts. Mary's success as a financial advisor has led her to launch Benchmark Income Group. She teaches her ideas and methods at national conferences, consults with the industry's best, trains advisors and top firms all across the U.S., and she's been interviewed for local, national, and international news programs, including Yahoo Finance and MSN, among others. Mary, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to be here. Oh, and we are so excited to have you, Mary. Thank you so much. Now, tell us just a little bit about your journey. What's led you to have such passion helping people find their dreams and be able to finance those dreams so that they have more financial freedom and importantly, more time? Absolutely. I, I started in this industry when I was just a baby. <laughs> you know, I grew up uh, with a father who was a financial advisor 
And um, initially, I was not even remotely interested in following in his footsteps. But as my career began to evolve, I realized that this is really where I wanted to be. And I ended up going to work at my dad's firm and really setting some boundaries saying, don't give me any leads, don't help me, don't treat me any differently than the rest of your employees. I need to do this on my own. Um, and I really began to build what, um, what was really a thriving practice. But as we kind of grew, I went from being just an advisor into being a manager. And then my dad and I became business partners. And after, after really probably about 12 years of the two of us working together, he was ready to retire. And the goal was that I was going to buy him out and take over the company. And I remember going home and telling my husband, hey, this is finally happening. And my husband looked at me and he said, you don't, you don't look excited. And he said, this is what you have been working for, for your entire career. Why aren't you happier about this right now? I think you need to ask yourself some questions and figure out why you're not excited. And I did. And what I realized was I was living somebody else's life. I liked the work I did with my clients. I liked the interaction, but I realized that all the decisions that I was making both professionally and personally were about other people. So an example of that would be um, building my practice in a way that my dad uh, would be proud of me. Um, it was doing things specifically so that my kids would be happy or my husband would be happy. And I realized that I wasn't. And so I went to my dad and I had one of the hardest conversations I've ever had in my life. And I told him, I don't actually want to take over the company. I think we should sell it, which we ended up doing. And I went back into the role of being just an advisor for two years. During that two year time period, I really started focusing on how do you get clarity on what you want in life? And I hired a mindset coach and the first question he asked me is, what do you want? And this is a question I ask my clients all the time, but for some reason I had never stopped long enough to ask myself that question. And it took me almost six months to answer that question in a way that my mindset coach was satisfied with. Every time I came back and said, I want this, he'd say, that's not deep enough. Why? Why? And he kept asking why over and over again. And it took me six months to realize that everything that ended up on my, I want this list had one thing in common. And it was that it created a sense of space and stillness and peace, peace being the most important thing, because I live a very hectic, frenetic life, which I love. But the thing I don't get a lot of is just quiet time, right? Especially if you're a mom and an entrepreneur and a spouse. I mean, that's a lot of responsibilities and everybody needs something from you. So that space of peace was very clear to me. And so I started making decisions about that. And two years in, I realized I did want to run my own company, but I needed it to be mine, not my dad's. So I, I launched Benchmark Income Group. And then I was introduced to a book called The Dream Machine by a gentleman named Dane Espigard. And it, it basically is you go through and you identify in a multitude of categories of your life, everything that you want. And so I attended his workshop. It was a three and a half hour workshop about what you want out of your life. And the whole time I'm furiously scribbling. These are the places I want to go. These are the adventures I want to have. These are the things I want to acquire. This is what I want my relationships to look like. And then I came home and I did the workshop a second time with my husband and my children. And then we compared our lists and kind of found the commonalities and started scheduling when we were going to live those moments of our dreams. 
And I realized how much more fulfilled I was. I think happiness is sort of this misleading. Everyone's on this pursuit of happiness. And I think we should be on a pursuit of fulfillment. That's a very, very different feeling. And I realized on this journey how fulfilled I was and my, my relationships were different. My experiences were different. That natural sense of joy and a willingness to share with others came out very differently. And so all of a sudden, I, I kind of had this aha of, I need to teach other people how to do this so that they aren't living a counterfeit life. They're living a life they're actually excited about on a daily basis. Because once you find that, you just want to share it. Oh my gosh, Mary, I love that. And I love the idea of a journey of fulfillment, not a journey of happiness, but a journey of fulfillment. And I also love the idea that you actually brought your husband and your children along that journey with you so that they can begin asking those key questions about what fulfillment looks like for them across all the different areas of their life. So Mary, as someone begins that process, what are some of the top pieces of advice that you'd give someone to help them clarify their dreams so that they can begin to build a life that they really love? How do they begin that first step in the journey of fulfillment? I think getting clarity on what you want is the most important step you can take. There's a, a Zig Ziglar quote, and I'm probably going to botch it, but I'm going to try and get it. And it is, you can't hit a target that you can't see, and you can't see a target that you don't have. And I think about that a lot because part of the reason that I was living this almost counterfeit life, I mean, a lot of it is similar to what I have now. I wasn't really unfulfilled. I was comfortable, but I wasn't excited to get up every day, but I didn't know what would make me feel excited on a daily basis. And so I think going through an exercise where you list out all the places in the world you want to travel, where you think about the experiences you want to have. I, I went to Olympic training camp for badminton of all sports. Um, and so one of the experiences that made my list is I would like to go to the Olympics. I never actually made it. Um, I would like to go to the Olympics and watch the badminton finals. That's on my list. I haven't done it yet, but it's on there. And, and going through and really getting very specific about what you want, knowing that you can cross things off your list if you decide you don't want them and you can add new things on. But if you get really clear about what you want and you start having conversations about how you can get those things, it's going to change how you act. Because most of us, and I'm going to go to the finances just for a little bit for what I do, most of us, and I will include myself in this, will trade what we really want for what we want right now where something will pop up. Maybe we're not in a great space emotionally. We make a purchase. We feel better for a minute. Then we feel guilty because we made that purchase. And then we go buy something else. And then we look at it. We say, wait, I haven't done any of the things that create actual fulfillment. And I own all these things I don't really care about. But if you get clarity about what you want, it will change the way you spend your money because you'll spend money on things that actually get you really excited. And if you build out a dreams pipeline so that you are living a dream, you're constantly having just experienced something that was exciting and you have something that you're looking forward to all the time, it changes the cadence of your life. I love that, Mary. And I love the idea that trading what we really want for what we want right now will actually change the way you spend your money, spend your time, and what you spend your resources, your time, your passion, your, your energy, your focus on. So 
once someone has clarified what they really want in their journey of fulfillment, not just what they want right now, but what they really want, then what would you say is the very best first step for them to take action against that dream? How do they begin taking those first steps to create milestones, to create benchmarks, to be able to make progress towards that that dream that's really going to create fulfillment for them? So things cost money, right? So I think this actually becomes a financial conversation. And I think that looking at what advice happens right now in this country, the way we are taught to do things is you get a job, you put money into your 401k, you keep putting money away, you don't touch it, you don't touch it, you don't touch it. And maybe when you're 65 or 70, you can retire, but you should go ahead and prepare yourself to take a reduction in lifestyle. To me, that's depressing. Nothing about that gets me jazzed up or excited. And I think the next step is really understanding how can you create efficiency in your overall plan? Because if you are focused on building income rather than building net worth, your outcomes are gonna change really dramatically. So if, if, you, if you get really efficient about the income stream, a lot of times it takes less money to create income than it would if you were focused on building up a massive amount of cash because of how volatility impacts your ability to spend the assets that you've saved, right? And, and I could say volatility is on everybody's mind today, at least as we're recording this, because the market has been all over the place, but really being focused on the creation of income streams, because if you have income that comes in, no matter what you're doing, you have freedom to do things you're really excited about. And so if I look at what most people are actually doing, they work every year to maintain a lifestyle and then they put a little bit of money away for the future. Imagine changing that so that you took the dollars that you were saving and you acquired assets that produced income so that each year your savings actually increased your income. And eventually your income's big enough from passive income streams that you don't have to work anymore. Even if you want to work because you love working, you get to do it for the pure joy of it, not because it has to produce an income for you. So it changes the way you relate to your work. But each year you're working, if you're doing it the right way, should be increasing the passive income that's coming in so that your lifestyle can increase each year as well. To me, that is much more exciting because it's immediate. I can see how it affects me today. And I know it's creating good solutions for the future. I think part of what's wrong with our industry is that it's all about deferred gratification and you can live this life when you're retired. I don't want to wait until I'm 65 or 70. I want to live a better life today, but I want to do it knowing that I'm setting myself up for success in the future. And that's where finding an advisor who's really focused on income creation is important. Doesn't have to be me. There's lots of people out there who are focused on income creation, but really building that lifestyle income that gives you the freedom to make choices about how you spend your time is the first step to doing that. Yeah, that's so smart, Mary. And I love the fact that you're talking about our current system, which is all about delayed or deferred gratification, rather than focusing on what your dreams are now, 
what's going to create real fulfillment in your life, and then creating the income that's necessary to actually make progress towards that dream, that vision for your life that is going to create real fulfillment. So what are some of the income creation strategies that you normally talk to your clients about? So I'm going to talk about the easy button first, because I think it is very important to know that when you make a decision, even if you're making a decision that is really a short-term decision, you need to know the impact it has on your long-term lifestyle. So it's not just focus on today, today, we have to still be paying attention to the future. So there's been a lot of research done really over the past 30 years that changed the way I approach my own practice, my own money, and how I talk to my clients. If I think back in time to previous generations, they got to retire almost like sitting on a three-legged stool. I know it's kind of a weird analogy, but there were kind of three prongs to the retirement plan. It was a pension, it was social security, and then it was their investments. And if you think about that, a pension made up anywhere from 60 to 80% of lifestyle. Social security probably made up most of the difference. And then your investments threw off anything extra. So if you think about that world, you could completely blow through all of your investments and still maintain your lifestyle because you still have the pension and social security. And if you didn't touch your investments because the pension and social security already replaced the lifestyle you were used to leaving, then you got to leave your kids a big inheritance. So a very easy, basic kind of system. But that system went away in 1978 when the 401k was introduced into the tax code. So most of the people I talk to today don't have a pension. I think it's less than 16% of the population has a pension today. Even the people I talk to that do have pensions, quite a few of them, it's not enough to replace their lifestyle. And then when you think about social security, I talk to a lot of people who are not sure they're going to get it. And even if they do get it, it's not going to replace the lifestyle that they're living today. And so now all of a sudden, the two tools that were just income, a check that shows up no matter how long you live, are not as reliable. And that puts a lot more pressure on the investments. So if you start looking at what happens from an investment perspective, and and you could Google this right now if you want to, the industry accepted safe spending rate for investments during retirement is only 3%. Some people say four. When you start looking at life potential rather than life expectancy, almost everybody in our industry agrees it's 3%. So if you need $150,000 of income per year, that means you have to have $5 million. That is, most people making $150,000 a year don't have $5 million just sitting around, right? And so the the focus has to become, that's really an, an inefficient way to create income, but there's an easy button for how you can do better. So the reason 3% is the number is because of volatility. Because if I take a big loss and I'm withdrawing money, I'm compounding those losses. And as it starts to recover, if I'm withdrawing that recovery, I've crippled my portfolio and it isn't going to sustain my lifestyle. Focusing on just more efficient income streams, you can increase what you spend to anywhere from 7 to 13%, depending on interest rate environment and how big you build a buffer against volatility. So simply introducing a combination of investments and insurance products is going to change how you distribute the assets on the back end, but you have to do it in the right ratio and you have to understand what you're trying to accomplish to begin with. That's the easy button is just focusing on how do I make my income more efficient when I'm ready to spend money rather than thinking I'm just going to build this big pile of money and the rest will sort itself out. 
So if you can do that first, we call that your core plan. It doesn't require you to change anything about what you're doing. And there's one of three outcomes. You can retire earlier at the same income level. You can retire at the same time, but with more income, typically anywhere from 30 to 70% more income a year, not because we're doing a better job on the investments, but because we're changing the distribution strategy, or you might realize you're saving too much money and you want to do more with that today. And, and you have permission to do that. So that easy button comes first, then you can lean into it and you can use the tools that you've acquired and leverage them so that you can then acquire investments that produce that passive income that begin to change your life today. So you take care of the big picture first, and then you hopefully immediately or within the first couple of years, start acquiring assets that produce income. And then that changes how much pressure you have to continue earning today. That's great, Mary. I love that. Now, one of the things that you talked about is passive income. And mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot of conversation right now around creating multiple revenue streams and ensuring that in those multiple revenue streams that people have designated at least two to three different passive revenue streams. So can you talk a little bit about what does passive revenue really mean and how can you begin thinking about having your money work for you and generate passive revenue streams? So I think identifying passive income streams is really, really important. If you're looking for different types, I'll give you a couple of different categories. The first one that comes to mind is real estate. That one comes to mind because there's no barrier to entry, right? Doesn't You don't have to be an accredited investor making 300,000 a year or a million of net worth. Anybody can participate in real estate. So when I look at real estate, there are multiple ways that you can acquire it. You could um, buy a vacation rental and do short-term rentals. You could buy a property that was meant to be a long-term rental where the tenant is actually going to live there for a year or more. You could look at um, buying an apartment complex or participating in a syndicate where someone else is buying, renovating, and renting the apartment complex, and you're just doing the funding. So those are different choices there. But we know it's passive because it doesn't require your active participation for the check to show up. So you're creating an income stream that either requires no action on your part if you're using a property manager or hopefully very little action on your part for the check to show up. So that can create some additional freedom. But there are other things that you can do too. And I'll speak to some of the things that I've done in the past year. I am a big believer that if there is a gold rush, you should buy up all the shovels. Because how many people in a gold rush go digging for gold and never find it? Now, there's always the few that do, and they have this really exciting story, but most people never find the gold. However, if I own all the shovels, I know I'm going to come out okay at the end of that because everybody is buying shovels. So when I look at where there are gold rushes today, I think one of those is in the crypto market. Very volatile, very speculative. There are people who've made a lot of money and people who have lost a lot of money. Where I think the shovel exists in that marketplace is the mining rigs. So if you can get paid for every transaction that's happening without you having to participate, the more volatile the market gets, the more transactions there are, the more money you make. Doesn't matter whether it goes up or down, you've created an income stream on that. So there's opportunities to buy the equipment or the servers that do that and have somebody else manage all of the actual work 
they'll take a fee out of the production, but you can still have income coming in from something like that. And that's not for everybody. It's just an example of something that I did in the past year. And then if I look at other areas that I see that there's a gold rush, um, the cannabis industry is a very hot topic right now and has been for a couple of years, but it's not legal in all the different states. So if you look at what happens for a company that's operating in a state where that is legal, access to capital is really difficult because banks are, are regulated at the federal level. They can't actually uh, lend to these companies. So there are private equity groups who will go in and they will take the state issued license as collateral and then loan a portion of that. So maybe the the license was worth $10 million, they're only loaning a million. If there's a default on that loan in that scenario, what happens? The $10 million shows up for the investors at the private equity group because that's what the collateral was. Nobody's gonna default on a loan like that, but the loan rates are much higher than typical business loans. Even in an environment like this, the loan rates are 12 to 15%. And so there's a way that you could create a passive income stream. And you're, again, you're the shovel, you're loaning, but you created safety because of how everything is collateralized. So just kind of digging around and looking out there and trying to find this, I think you will. There's hard money lending. There's plenty of different opportunities out there. It's just a matter of having the right framework. Are you investing for equity growth? or are you investing for income creation? And if you're clear that what you're looking for is income, because that changed your lifestyle immediately, and income will give you more money to invest and the net worth will take care of itself over time, you'll get to the income you're looking for faster because you're very clear on what your goal is. And if you attach that to what you want your lifestyle to be, you'll know when you get there. I love that, Mary. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> it is. That's the thing. It actually is. But the problem is most advisors don't spend time talking about this. And here's why. From a regulatory standpoint, anyone who has their Series 7 and their Series 66 can talk about investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. If they are attached to a broker dealer or an RIA, they are very restricted in terms of what they can talk about with the consumer. And this applies to me too. So if I am talking to a client, I cannot tell them, go do this deal with this private equity group. I cannot tell them, go do this deal with uh, buy these crypto mining rigs. I can't even say, go buy this house. It would make a really good vacation rental because from a regulatory standpoint, I can only tell someone to purchase an investment that my broker dealer has reviewed and said is suitable for consumers. So that puts some cramp in my style if I'm talking about income streams. So what happens is most advisors are only going to talk about the tools that they can sell that provide revenue to them, that provide revenue to their broker dealer, rather than giving you the framework for how do I build an income-based system? Here's where there's a loophole though. If you have an investment that you think will create income streams, I can educate you on here is how you would analyze a property like that. And if you identify an area that you're looking at, we can do the math together, and then you have to make the decision about what you want to do. Most advisors just don't do that because they don't get paid. So the uh, system kind of perpetuates itself. Yeah, and that makes all kinds of sense. That makes all kinds of common sense, Mary. Thank you so much. I tell you what, I feel like I could talk to you all day just gleaning your insight, your wisdom, your expertise about this really valuable conversation. It's such an important conversation to help 
everyone live a life of freedom, not just financially, but with your time and how to clarify your financial dreams, how to map out a plan to accelerate your dreams, making them real. But now I feel like uh, we need to jump to our wrap-up question, which is consistent in all Leadership Global shows, and that's about leadership advice. Mary, in your career, in your own fulfillment journey, you have been able to work with incredibly successful leaders, incredibly inspirational leaders. And along that journey, I'm sure you've received leadership advice that has been really impactful for you. So what is the best leadership advice that you have ever received that you'd like to share with our audience? I think the best leadership advice I ever received, I don't even remember who told it to me. I don't know who said it. I don't know if I've read it, is that a good leader creates a space that is safe a space for the person that they're leading to be vulnerable. And I think when people are vulnerable, it becomes very abundant how you can help them take the next steps to improve. When we show up from a place of understanding, what we actually get is authentic. Whereas when we show up from a place of judgment, people don't tell us what's really happening. They tell us what they think we wanna hear. And I think creating that space of safety with people that we're trying to leave gives you the ability to connect with them in a very authentic way and help them take the next steps on their journey. Because in my experience, especially with women, we look in the mirror and see a kitten when everyone else sees a lioness and, and helping people understand it's okay to be both of those things, I think is one of the best things that you can do as a leader. As long as you can say, I know you feel this way, but here's what you're capable of. I think that helps people progress. Oh my gosh, Mary, I love that. We look in the mirror, we see a kitten, but the rest of the world sees a lioness. What a wonderful way to wrap up today's conversation. And as a reminder to our entire Lead Hership Global audience, I had the privilege and pleasure of speaking with Mary Lyons, founder and CEO of Benchmark Income Group. She's a financial advisor, an entrepreneur, a speaker and trainer about one of the most important decisions that you can make in your life. And that is becoming clear, abundantly clear about the life that you want to live. It's about clarifying your dreams and mapping out a plan to accelerate the ability to achieve those dreams, making them real. Thank you so much for everyone tuning in today. We really appreciate it. I hope that all of you were able to take away some really important nugget that will accelerate the ability for you to reach your dreams. And Mary, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. This has been really fun. Thank you for joining Leadership Global's award-winning podcast. As a member of Leadership Global, you have the opportunity to meet inspirational leaders, create lifelong friendships, and be surrounded by others who are invested in your success. Join our global community of inspiring women in leadership, women who will help you create greater levels of impact, support your personal and professional breakthroughs, and help you accelerate your success. Don't miss out on the opportunity to show up, speak up, and step up in your professional and your personal life. Find out how you can join us at leadhershipglobal.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.